The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. everybody it is thursday january 4th 2024 and it is indeed a heck of a morning and a heck of a new year happy new year to you all we are live on the ma fighting twitter space you can hear the show shortly thereafter in its entirety on the ma fighting podcasting network what's going on everybody i am mike heck it's great to talk to you all first show we have done in quite some time I just got back from taking some time off with the fam yesterday, and truth be told, I was very excited to jump back on here, rejuvenated, refreshed, ready to go. First live show of 2024, second live show of 2024 coming up at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time, the return of BTL. We did have a BTL last week. It was our annual promotional airing of grievances got a lot of feedback about that episode it was uh your piece just came out of my ear a little rusty apparently but yeah the feedback is always very interesting when it comes to those shows but it's great to be back we have a lot to talk about a lot we missed i think the last time we spoke it was the week after ufc 296 we started to get a few of the UFC 300 announcements. And as of now, it's still the same three fights. Calvin Cater versus Aljamain Sterling, Bo Nickel versus Cody Brundage, and Yuri Prohashka versus Alexander Rakic. Those are the three fights. Dana White did go on his IG Live yesterday to promote the Power Slap reality show thingy that they do. And... He said on Tuesday, they're going to announce more fights. Uh, Dana's been traveling, going to places where they build him cold plunges. And he says he'll be back in Vegas, I think this weekend or early next week. But he said on Tuesday, he should have more fights announced for UFC 300. What we know, what we have found out last week, is that the main event of UFC 300 will not be at least as of right now, Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler. Conor McGregor announced on New Year's Eve 
that he will be fighting Michael Chandler. It will not happen at UFC 300. It will happen International Fight Week, which is taking place, I believe it's going to be UFC 303, June 29th, a rare June International Fight Week. And there you go. Now, this is something we've been talking about for a little while. Will the UFC just come out with a bang and throw Connor's return on UFC 300? Or will they try to milk this a little bit? Will they try to have the cake and eat it too? Because UFC 300, at this point, the UFC could do no wrong. For the most part, you put any freaking card on paper, people are going to watch it. And they probably feel like UFC 300 is going to sell. Just throw a title fight or two in there, stack up the rest of the card with some names, people are going to watch it. That's one of the things we thought might happen here. So now the question is, what is going to headline this card? Are we going to be living in a world, ladies and gentlemen, where this event, UFC 300, something we have been talking about for, I mean, on this show, the last year and a half, are we going to be living in a world, and no disrespect to either of these gentlemen, is the world we're living in, UFC 300, is going to be headlined by Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad? Because I got to say, that is tough. That's tough. I know Leon is kind of is, is getting a little bit more over now. But man, if all this build, this is like, that'd be like the Fight Island announcement. You remember that? Dana was teasing Fight Island. We're going to go to this magical land where only we can go and have fights. And then it's like, we're going to Abu Dhabi, which is still cool because they could have fights. But we're like, we had this we had this vision in our heads of what Fight Island was actually going to be, thinking about what it could actually look like and feel like. Would it be like some of those old like affliction cards where they're on a friggin' island? No, they're just in Abu Dhabi. We get Leon versus Bilal. This will be almost the same thing. And one of the things I've been thinking about, and I know Ariel and the crew talked about it yesterday on the MAR award show, is this a mistake? Is this a mistake not getting Connor on UFC 300? Because from all accounts, he wanted a fight on that card. He pushed for it. And it's not happening. Should they have just said, screw it? Let's just give him what he wants? Or are they playing with fire here? And as we have seen, the UFC has played with fire quite a bit. They played with fire a lot in 2023. And it's always seemed to work out for them, hasn't it? We had this bitter rivalry in place, right? Just think about Israel Adesanya's 2023. Comes back, wins the middleweight title, knocks out his longtime rival Alex Pereira. The trilogy fight is right there. Ready to go. It would do massive business. But instead, Dana goes to the press conference and says, nope, I think Pereira's going to go to 205. Pereira, I think a week later, said, yes, I'm going to 205. So we're kind of like, hmm, should we have just gone ahead and did this thing? And then, on top of that, Drinkus Duplessis gets booked with Robert Whitaker. There's already a rivalry building between Izzy and DDP, and we're like, why are they even making this fight? Just give DDP the title shot. Like, let's go with this rivalry here. Now he's going to fight Robert Whitaker in a fight that is a terrible stylistic matchup for him, at least so we thought. And then he just goes out and dusts up 
Bobby Knuckles. And we're like, all right, now we can book this fight. They do the face-off, ain't pretty, things are said, things continue to be said. And then the UFC says, you know what? We have to have Izzy fight in September. We're going to Australia. We have to have Izzy on that card. DDP is not ready to go. Dana says, we know how, you know how I feel about people who turn down fights, even though DDP had just fought less than two months prior, was dinged up. Let's put in Sean Strickland. Let's throw Sean Strickland in there. Izzy will beat Sean Strickland, and then the DDP fight will be even bigger. And then Sean Strickland goes out and dusts up Izzy, Israel Adesanya. And now, like, we don't even know when and if we'll get Izzy versus DDP. Instead, we're getting Sean Strickland versus DDP, which is becoming its own weird rivalry in itself. So what I'm trying to say here is, eventually, the UFC's luck is going to run out because this whole middleweight thing has worked out great. Sean Strickland is becoming a star. If he goes out and beats DDP, he's going to be over like Rover like never before. And But eventually, their luck is going to run out. Now, are, is it going to ruin their success? Of course not. Absolutely not. They're just on fire right now. But eventually, you can only fall upwards so much. And the UFC is falling upwards just so many times over the last three years. It's been unbelievable. So we'll see what happens there. What, what is going to headline this card? Why isn't it Connor versus Michael Chandler where both guys seem to have wanted it to be at UFC 300? Why are we waiting till June for that fight? Is this a mistake? What are we going to do? How will you, the fans, react if they announce that Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad is the main event? Now, it seems like we're going to probably get that fight on the card. No word whether it is the main event or not. But try to think about what else could be the main event. Could you do Islam versus Gaethje? It's in the middle of Ramadan. Bilal would be doing the Ramadan thing as well, but he has fought during Ramadan a few times and would probably do it here for a title shot since he may not get another opportunity to fight for the belt. Could they do Leon versus Shafkat? I know that was kind of in play as well. So it's kind of up in the air right now. I don't know. A lot to think about here. There's other things that have happened as well. Uh, and I'll leave it to you guys to ask since we have last spoke. I missed you all. And let's do the damn thing. Let's hear from you. Uh, we'll be doing this on BTL as well. Be a Q&A pretty much all show long. So uh, Left Lane MMA, you are the first caller of 2024. At least I thought you were. All right, hop out and hop back in. I'm not getting a connection from you. Four quarter sports. Do we have you? Yes, you do have me. Um, so I'm really wondering. I think what was it? Um, Ariel Hawani did mention something about the UFC has like a a rabbit in the bag that they are in the works and trying to make for UFC 300. That really has like a like had me thinking yesterday. I was like, what do they have? Um, mate, could it could it be Hamza Shamaya versus Israel Adesanya? I mean, that's not something I can see that can headline since there is no belt on the line. But I was wondering, like, what do you what do you believe that Ariel might be hinting? Because when Ariel says something, there's a lot of truth to what he's saying, 
right? I mean, we 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 saw with um with a lot of his reporting um this past year, and even they ended up flipping around. I forgot exactly what um what car just because he ended up reporting it and bumping it down. I think it was for Islam to fight. I think in in January, and then and I think that's when they ended up uh, implying Strickland versus uh, Duplessis. But that's one thing. I do believe that what's it called, Gaethje and Islam, you know, can, is a very viable, you know, main event for UFC 300. Um, but if, if um, Mike, if you were running the UFC, which how would you call Israel Adesanya, and how much, how much of a of a check would you have to cut him for him to do the trilogy? Because I feel like that would be the best fight. I feel like that would be the the fight that more people would be clamorous to watch the trilogy between um, Alex versus Israel um, for the light heavyweight title. I feel like that would be, you know, the best viable option if you can't do Islam versus Justin Gaethje for the lightweight title. And, um, you know, what are the chances that Jim Miller is on the, that card? All right. Thanks, Mike. Chances Jim Miller's on that card? Uh, a trillion percent. I'd be stunned if he's not on that card. I, I know he's got a fight booked, but I, he's got to fight at UFC 300. I'd be absolutely shocked if he doesn't. Rabbit in the hat, I don't know. It could be literally anything. Uh, I will say this, though. If they do Hamza versus Izzy, like that is a way better main event than Leon versus Bilal. I'm sorry. It just is like that is a way more compelling fight to me. It's a way more exciting fight. Two bigger names, two bigger stars. It just would be now. Would it would it headline over a title fight? Probably not. I don't think Bilal would really care. He wouldn't get pay per view points on the back end, anyways. Leon might have something to say about it, but Leon and Izzy have a probably pretty tight as well. So I don't know. I don't know. I would. There's just not a lot available right now. There's just not a lot available. Could you push O'Malley back a month and do O'Malley Cheeto in March and then try to like cobble something together? Maybe you do Islam Gaethje in March instead and then push O'Malley Cheeto to 300? I'd be fine with that. That'd be a pretty damn good main event. O'Malley is like, a rising star. Cheeto is very popular. That would be a very, that'd be interesting. But if we're just keeping things the way that they're at right now, I think Izzy Pereira is the one man. I mean, that, that rivalry has defined the last two years for the company in a lot of ways. The second Alex Pereira debuted, we knew why we knew exactly why the UFC signed Alex Pereira. It was so we could build to this Izzy fight. Alex has a win. Izzy had the knockout of the year in the rematch. Let's do the third one. Let's do it. I know Izzy's taking time off. I don't know if you guys have seen pictures on social media. Izzy looks like he's beefing up a little bit. Looks like he's put on some muscle. Looks like he's hitting the weights a little bit. Looks like he's getting a little bit bigger. He looks bigger than he did when he was about to fight Jan Bohovic. So I would do what I could to try to make that fight. Now, I also would be very careful with Izzy as well. Izzy's gone through a lot. He's been a very active guy. It is a guy that still 
pretty important to your company. I think he was a little overexposed, to be honest, and I think even the Australian crowd realized it. I just, we can't miss you if you don't leave, but we don't want you to leave forever. So what, September, October, November, seven months? I think for a Pereira fight, I think Izzy would be welcomed back by the fans, honestly. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. The rabbit could be literally anything. I don't know what it's, it's, I don't think it's going to be Shemaev. If I'm Hamzat, I ain't fighting anybody. I am not fighting anybody. I would fight Paulo Costa and that's it. If that fight was available for him, but we know Paulo Costa's fighting Robert Whitaker in February. If I'm, if I'm Hamzat, I am just getting healthy and getting ready. And whoever wins the Sean Strickland DDP fight, I would be all ready to go. I would have promo ready. I would maybe even take a trip to Toronto if you could. I don't know if he can, but if I'm Hamzat, I'm waiting for that title shot because I think there's a real good chance he gets it. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe the middleweight title is defended at UFC 300. Depends. If Sean Strickland beats DDP, he'll probably ask for that. Sean would fight in February. Sean was going to fight Hamzat. Sean wanted to fight Hamzat Shemaev in October after he won the belt a month later. The dude is game. So there's a lot of lot of ways we can uh, we can go with this. But I would go with Alex and Izzy if we could. But that's what I would do with what's available right now. I would have done Connor and Chandler, to be honest, but because you never know. Connor might just get all pissy and be like, nah, I ain't fighting. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Uh, left Lane MMA, do we have you now? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, sweet. Um, I've got two questions. One's pretty short. The other one's a little bit more complex, I guess. But first one, I've been seeing a few kind of rumors, I guess, of Bunar Saint-Denis versus Benil Dayush for March 30th in Atlantic City. Don't know if there's any legs to that. If so... Um, I assume we have the same prediction in a dominant finish for BSD. But my other question is, kind of what's your take on this whole Sean Strickland thing that's been going on recently? We know he's been very outspoken in the past, a lot, very critical of fighters, kind of been the guy to just dish it out to everyone. 
And now it kind of seems like, although I do get where he's coming from with his reaction to Drickus's comments about, you know, his like childhood and that, I get where he's coming from. It does kind of seem like there's an element of, can you, like, you're giving it and you're not being able to take it, I guess. What are your thoughts on that? Thanks, Mike. Sean is just an interesting cat. Like, he just is who he is. And as much as you want to try to understand that individual and his personality and who he actually is, you realize that it just goes so deep that it's almost like a dangerous place to go. So I, I don't really know. I think there's probably a little bit of that. There's probably a hint of hypocrisy in people's eyes. But Sean is just a very complex, very different kind of a guy. Uh, was built for the fight game in a, in a lot of respects. So, yeah, I don't know. It's tough to say. Like, I, obviously, I've talked to Eric Nixick a lot. Um, and Sean's just who he is, man. Like, you don't try to, you don't try to, like, break him down. You just realize there's just so many layers to the guy. There's probably more layers to Sean Strickland than there is maybe any other fighter on the roster. So, to try to, but yeah, Sean is the champion. It's just going to continue to be that way. Uh, as long as he has that belt, he's going to just be Sean. It's just going to reach a lot more people now. And a lot more people are going to have reactions and responses to things that Sean says because now he's the champion of the world and more people know who he is. I have not heard anything about the Benil Dariush Benoit Santini fight. Love it. I believe that was my on to the next one suggestion. I think. No, no, I picked Dan Hooker. I picked Dan Hooker. But I like that fight too. It's a damn good fight. If I'm Benoit Santini and they offer it, I'm jumping all over that. Jumping all over that one. So, yeah, it's a good fight. I haven't heard anything about it though. I haven't heard anything about it. I know we have Aaron Blanchfield versus Menonfioro on that card. As of now, that is not the main event, I'm told. Could it be? Perhaps. But still sort of up in the air. I've heard other fights being discussed. I've heard of one in particular that could headline. It's a little too early to say. But I wouldn't be surprised if another fight ends up getting that spot. I don't know if Santini and Dariush is, is that fight, but we'll see. I did get a question yesterday. Uh, speaking of lineups, why is Saudi Arabia and Mexico taking forever to fill? Tickets can go on sale for these cards already. The UFC seems really behind on this from TAC MMA. No idea. No idea, but at the same token, those both of those events are going to sell like crazy, so... Um, I don't think the UFC really particularly cares about ticket sales for Saudi Arabia since they're getting a whole shitload of money sent in their direction and they will find a way to fill that, that arena and Mexico, they're just clamoring for it. So they can really put anything on the card. Look at Mexico. Like you have two massive fights on that Mexico card, two five rounders. You got your two biggest baby faces essentially right now in Yair and Brandon Moreno. And they're both fighting at five riders. Moreno's in the main event. Yair's a huge star over there. Ortega's got fans over there as well. 
Saudi Arabia, I'm not sure what's happening. I know there's a couple fights on the books, but there's there there are certain cards you could just you could just kind of wing together. Just as long as you have something compelling for a main event, who knows? Maybe we get Islam Makachev, Justin Gaethje on that card, or Islam versus Oliveira on that card. I don't know. It all kind of depends on what Makachev wants to do. You know they're going to try to load that up a, a little bit, but it is also a week before the pay per view as well, so. Lots to think about there. But Mexico, they're, whatever they put out, they already got their two big fights. They can sell tickets right now and be fine. Cole, hello. Morning, Mike. Good to be back. Um, I just got a couple of quick ones for you. Do you think given that like the Strickland DDP main events in January, um, I think that they got to use one of those two guys maybe against somebody for a co-main or main event for 300? Also... Um, what do you what yeah, when Ariel says it's not Brock level, but it's holy shit level of a like a return, who do you even think? I can't even think of who that could be. But um yeah, is it too late? Also, is it, lastly for me, is it too late to submit our over unders for when you and AK do that show and when is that show happening? That's all I got. A uh, lot to unpack. Uh the buy sell questions. We're getting close to the end, so I would say by tomorrow would be like the last chance. I think I was looking at them last night. We have, I mean, we probably have like 50-something already. We're not going to, Jesus, there's even, there's actually more. Um, There's a lot. We have like four pages full of them already. We're not going to read all of them. That I can assure you. Um, we're going to ha- basically we're going to send all these to Casey, and then he's going to pop them up on the screen. So we don't even know what we're going to be answering at the time of the show. We'll obviously have seen a lot of these, but we won't know what we're going to be answering. That's happening Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern, uh, live on the YouTube channel. So we're going to go live and do it. Uh, it is a little early, but. The good news is there is no UFC card the night before, so you can get plenty of rest. There's no MMA to watch till 2 o'clock in the morning, so you're good to go. So 10 a.m. Eastern is when we're doing the predictions extravaganza. The non-Brock holy shit return, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be GSP. Could it be Ronda? Maybe. But I think she would be... I would consider her to be a Brock level holy shit return if it's if it's Ronda. Like could they do something with Nick Diaz? Maybe. It's not I I look, we'll go back to the Nate thing. Um but maybe Nick. Nick's still under contract. Maybe they bring Nick back for something. I don't know. The whole Nate Diaz thing, the one thing I really tweeted about is when we, we started that the, the tracker for UFC 300. Like, here are the fights that are being rumored. Here's what's being talked about on social media. Here's this. Here's that. Here's what we're hearing, etc. Um, Nate teasing UFC 300, all of that. And I basically tweeted out, look, there's a, at this point, there's very few things that would surprise me in terms of who could fight at UFC 300, who they brought back, et cetera. 
if Nate Diaz fought, fights at UFC 300, that would legitimately surprise me. Legitimately surprise me. People are like, oh, I wouldn't be surprised by that. I'm telling you, it would be stunning. Stunning if Nate fights at UFC 300. I would be shocked. I'll say shocked. It's not happening, guys. It's just not. Nate, Nate is just so good at this. Nate is so good at just a simple, tw- a simple tweet. Yeah, I'd fight at UFC 300, but there's nobody to fight. And the, the social media world went ballistic. They all went crazy. They all went crazy. Everything Ariel has said about the situation is true. Nate is probably going to fight first half of 2024, maybe even a little sooner, uh, and it is not going to be in the UFC. It is not going to be in the UFC. What discipline? I'm not sure. But Nate is not Nate is not under UFC contract. Nate can make more money fighting outside of the UFC right now. He made a ton of money fighting boxing Jake Paul. Here's what I would do. Here's what I would do if I was Team Nate or Team whoever. Because there's another guy who has history with Nate who is, I mean, he's still under UFC contract, but he's not going to fight in the UFC. I think, and I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, do not be like Mike saying this. I have no insight to this whatsoever. Here's what my gut is telling me with literally no insight. What I think might happen, again, this is not a report. This is from no conversations. I think we could be living in a world where we get a boxing match between Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal. Again, no insight to this whatsoever, but I could see a world where this next game-bred boxing event becomes a Masvidal-Diaz co-promotion type thing which would be gigantic. You put those two guys in there, it would be fucking huge. It would be huge. Mazadal is not fighting at UFC 300. It's not happening. Mazadal is not fighting in MMA, I don't think. I'd be, again, that would be kind of shocking. But Mazadal will probably be able to box in his own promotion. Who is he going to box? You can't just throw him in there with anybody. Throw him in there with Nate. Like, they would make a ton of money. They would actually sell out an arena. He's not going to do the, the, the bare-knuckle MMA, I don't think. He's not going to go to BKFC and box Mike Perry, because why would he do that? I think this makes perfect sense. That's what I would do. Try to make that happen. Make a co-promotional card. You could do a whole bunch of, like, game-bred fighters versus Diaz fighters. With that being the main event, it'd be fucking gigantic. Everybody would watch that. Everybody would pay for it. They just would. But when we're talking about 300, Mazadal would be surprising. Diaz would be shocking. Nick, maybe. But it's, I don't know. Maybe Anderson Silva? Maybe they bring Anderson Silva back for one? But who would he fight is the question. Anderson Silva, Chris Weidman, three? 
I don't know. It's 300 puzzle is going to be fun for the next several weeks. Timmy, do we have you? No. How about Abswalia? Happy, uh, hello, Mark. Uh, uh, happy New Year to you. Just have a few questions I'd like to ask regarding some of the upcoming events we have. My first question is, what are your thoughts on the Brandon Allen Marvin Vittori fight, and um, who do you have winning that fight as an early bet on? Um, another question I have regarding this mystery about UFC 300. I know this is a very far-fetched thing, but is it possible we could see a world where Yoel Romero possibly makes a, a return to the UFC depending on his contract status with you know Bellator and basically what has happened since they've transitioned to PFL. Could Is that a possibility where the UFC might be able to offer him a one-time fight to fight anyone in light heavyweight or middleweight division, in your opinion? And uh, my last question is, where um where are people getting this idea about Islam and Justin headlining that Saudi card? Because I just can't see that happening. Like Islam is a pretty big draw, and I would say he's more fitting for pay per view. That's all I have. Have a great day. Because he could, they could absolutely put him on that Saudi Arabia card. Look, they're paying the UFC buco dollars to come there and bring something good. So if you bring Brendan Allen versus Martin Vittori there, they ain't going to do it. No offense to those two guys. It's not going to do it. you got to bring something big there in order to come back. In order for them to pay you to come back again. Same thing Abu Dhabi gets. Now, could it, Abu Dhabi, if, if you guys recall, yes, they did Fight Island, but there were no, they did a numbered event in Abu Dhabi two years ago, headlined by Glover Teixeira versus Jan Blachowicz for the light heavyweight title. We had Piotr Jan versus Corey Sanhagen for the interim Bantamweight title. They gave us that on ESPN Plus for free. That was not a pay-per-view. Was that 276? No. 267? It was something like that. I don't remember. I don't want to go look it up. But um, They've done this before. They've done big events like this before. Because they don't need to charge anybody for it. They're already getting so much money. So what's the point? Islam Makachev wants to fight in March and wants to fight in Saudi Arabia and Gaethje's down. Why not do it? You're still going to get him in Abu Dhabi. And what if? And at this point, the calendar is filling up. And with Ramadan affecting UFC 300, I don't. maybe it happens there. Maybe they can convince Islam. But he seems like a man of principle, so I kind of don't see it happening. Are we going to wait till May or June and risk him not being able to fight in October in Abu Dhabi? I think it's a real chance that that that, that fight could happen on that Saudi Arabia card. There's nothing out. Like, what is there right now? You got to bring something big. They have. There's no main event for that card right now. It's nothing. Unless you push O'Malley and Cheeto. To 300 at this point, like, why would, why would Sean O'Malley be like, nah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be the co-main event now on this Miami card that I've been putting over. 
and already did the face off for and already did all this work for and trying to promote it and get ticket sales and all that stuff and get people excited. Nah, but I'll take a backseat to Makachev and Gaethje now. Why would he do that? O'Malley is one of the rising stars in the company. He's not going to do that. So I think Abu Dhabi is absolutely in play. Or, no, excuse me, Saudi Arabia is absolutely in play. Yo Romero, maybe. That's not like a holy shit one, though. You know what I mean? Like if they bring Yo Romero back for a one-off, is everyone going to be like, oh, my God. Are we going to do a reaction pod about Yo Romero coming back? Probably not. I know we all love Yo Romero, but he's not the most exciting fighter in the world. So these days, I mean, third round Yoel is a bad, bad, bad man. But I don't know. Probably not. You do Yoel versus Anderson Silva. The fight, one of the fights we never got. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Henderson, go ahead. Love that the show is back. Another great year on the way. Um, how about for the UFC 300? You, we talked about, or you talked about Nate. I don't think he's going to fight there either. He just waited his whole life to get off the UFC deal. I don't think he's going to jump right back into it until he makes as much possible money as he can and builds his own thing. But what about Nick? I mean, Nick, I think has one fight left. It would be great for him to be able to also be done and to go out on a fight like UFC 300 would be, I mean, a fitting end for a great career, I think in the UFC at least. And what about him versus Anderson Silva double like MMA retirement fight UFC 300 their original fight was a mess, but they're both in a much different place right now. And by that, I mean, they're both much worse right now. So it'll probably just be a messy fucking like slug fest. And then one of them will not be able to make it to the third round probably, but that would be a great fight. I think, um, and also for Jim Miller, I think you got to do him versus another legend, maybe Miller versus Lozon Miller versus, Felder, Tony Ferguson. You could even do Miller versus Patty, but I feel like that's just a waste of both of their energy. Although I think Miller might actually win that fight too. Um, and then one more point I wanted to make was they got that March 30th card coming to Jersey, Atlantic city, Aaron's uh, headlining. It's like the most Jersey event they've done in a while, considering their last one in Newark was a mess. What about making that the fight where they announce Frankie Edgar Hall of Fame? They gotta they gotta put Frankie in the Hall of Fame. One of the greatest fighters ever, Jersey legend, beat Oliveira, beat Yair, beat BJ Penn twice. Legend. And that's not even getting into all those close fights with Bendo and and uh those two close losses to Aldo. Like just a legend. So that fight, I feel like it's a setup. They got to announce him in the hall of fame. The New Jersey crowd will go nuts. So want to know what you thought of those matchups and uh, yeah, Frankie hall of famer. Also, if the jets don't beat the Patriots this, this weekend, I might lose my mind. All right. See you, Mike. God, I hope you beat us. 
I hope you beat us so bad. I don't but this will be the game where the Patriots drop 55 on you and we're like, oh, momentum into 2025 into next year. No, I want you to run us off the field so we can get that two seed. That's or the the number two draft pick. That's what I want. That's what I want. So beat us, please. Please beat us. I don't know if I've wanted anything more this entire football season. Beat us, please. God. Um, I love the idea of announcing Frankie for the Hall of Fame on that card. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Miller. I mean, yeah, I like the legend idea. I like Nick Diaz versus Tony Ferguson. Do it at 170? I don't know. Maybe do that. I don't know. I definitely don't want to see Nick fight Anderson Silva again. Uh, we saw that. <laughs> I don't want to see it again. Uh, even if we like, kind of understand what it is at this point, you know that's going to be a main card fight. You know you're going to have to pay eighty bucks for that one, and it ain't gonna. It's going to be one of those things where, like, I, I think the hardcore fan base, which UFC, let's be, be let's be honest, UFC doesn't care all that much about the hardcore fan base they're just they're, they're more about wanting to bring in more of a casual audience i mean just look at how they're doing their promotion now i think the hardcore people will just kind of giggle about it but then those newer fans that they're trying to bring in will be like yikes what are we watching here this is this is tough so yeah i think nick would be a good addition to the card i think we have to match him up right give him a name him and Ferguson in a double retirement fight would be great, but we also know at this point that Tony's probably not retiring. Like, even if the UFC says, all right, dude, this is your last fight with us, he's probably just going to go somewhere else and it's just still going to get icky and uncomfortable. But, yeah, I like I like the idea of of Nick getting one last fight. Patrick, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Uh my question is about the USC Apex again. Uh, I could go on like a 30-minute rant about how I'm sick and tired of it. Uh, but in 2023, it looks like we had 17 out of 43 cards at the Apex and already up until uh, USC 300 this year, we've got six, looks like, scheduled uh apex cards so my question is do you possibly in any way see somehow in 2024 we end up with more apex cards in 2023 because that would just seem like a like a backwards movement pretty much but it was heck of a morning everyone thanks mike thanks man do i think we'll have more Mm, maybe Maybe get like one or two more. I don't know. But I think that's probably the sweet spot, 16 to 20. Probably somewhere in that range. They ain't, guys, under, under this current deal they have, they ain't leaving the Apex. It's not going to happen. They have to put on 43, 44 fight cards a year. They're not leaving the Apex. Now, when their new TV deal happens... We'll see how it all pans out. If it's the same sort of setup or they have to put on 43 events a year, 
then still they're not leaving the apex. They don't need to. They make, I mean, just the pandemic has shown them that they can just make a, so much money staying in the apex. They can put on any fight card, any main events, and people are going to watch it and cover it. And some people will, will even pay outrageous amounts of money to go watch a fight in that environment. They ain't leaving. They're not leaving. You cannot. And, and unless they just do like, we talked about this, the one of the last shows we did, I don't mind them doing events in non NBA arenas. What they did for that Marab Duvalishvili Piotr Jan card was perfect. Find like a hotel in Vegas, 1,500, 2,000 people. It just makes the ambiance so much better. It really does. Then the Apex, which is just like kind of the same thing, and it's like more, more of a golf broadcast than, than a fighting broadcast. So, but no, they're not leaving the Apex. I would say 16 to 20 events. It's probably what we're looking at. I do think they'll, the UFC will hit some new spots this year, probably more so from an international level. But, yeah, they ain't going anywhere, guys. Sorry. I wish we had a uh, – I wish I could say otherwise, but this is where we're at. Uh, let's go to double A. Go ahead, double A. Good. You too. What's so up? So I just want to uh, hear your thoughts on this whole um, – Kayla Harris and Chris Cyborg thing, like Kayla turning the fight down. Um, I also want to um, hear your thoughts on um, someone asked earlier about um, Brendan Allen and Marvin Vittori. Uh, where you mentioned um, the title picture at 85 earlier. I just wonder, wondering where you think it would put Brendan Allen in the title picture if he were to win. And I think I know the answer to this one, but do you, did you believe Conor McGregor's um, whole – I'm fighting Michael Chandler at 185 pounds thing because I did, and I thought it was a complete joke. Anyway, have a great day. Peace. Thanks, man. Um, let me – Brennan Allen, Marvin Vittori. Where does this put Brennan Allen? I mean, it's a it's, – it's, first, first of all, no point for me because that's what I picked after Brennan's last win. Gets him a step closer. Look, here's the here's the thing. Uh, Victoria, look, sorry. Okay, Brennan Allen is going to be very Bilal Muhammadish in all of this, where he's going to rack up wins. There's going to be discussions on whether or not. He's going to get the title shot. I think there's going to be positions where conversations where everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, Brandon Allen deserves to fight for the belt. But I think his road is going to be a long one because of where this division is going. And it's just going to continue to get more weird, weirder and weirder and interesting. Because right now you got Sean Strickland, you got DDP, you got Robert Whitaker, you got Paul Costa, you got Israel Adesanya. You have a lot of other interesting names that are coming up the ranks as well. The Joe Pifers, the Bo Nichols, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And just kind of looking at the landscape right now, 
middleweight's going to be a big fight division for the UFC. It's going to be a big fight division. Hamza Chimaev. How did it, freaking Hamza Chimaev. He's right up there too. Kamara Usman's going to be a player in this division as well. Jared Cannonier. He's got a couple of good wins on his. He's got a win over the freaking champion right now, and he can't get a title shot. And then you just have like other guys right now, like Paul Craig's over. You got guys like Kyle Baraglio, who coming off the contender series, you know the UFC really likes him. You got guys like Shara Magomedov, who a lot of people are going to be behind. Michelle Pereira is now a middleweight. I think, and then we have to think about the Ikram Alaskarovs and all of those guys as well. I think Brendan Allen is going to have a very long road ahead of him through no fault of his own. He's just... He's going to be kind of in that Bilal mode right now where he's going to win a bunch of fights. People are going to argue for him getting a title shot, and they're not going to be wrong about it. But the UFC is not going to – they're going to be like, hmm, do we book the champion versus Hamza Shemaev or do we book the champion versus Brandon Allen? It's going to be the bigger star every single time. And Brennan's just not that guy. He just is not that guy. Unless somehow they do a pay-per-view in Louisiana or something like that, maybe they squeeze him in. But I think Brennan's going to have to win at least three more fights. At least. And even then, we'll see. Everything broke real good for Bilal, so maybe he'll get the same. Maybe the same thing will happen for Brennan Allen. Uh. Yes, Dom. How are you? Yeah, good, man. Heck of an afternoon from the UK. Um, yeah, I just yes. had a couple of questions. Um, the first was about UFC 300. Um, of the fights announced, um, how many do you think are going to be on the main card? I feel like most of them will be on a usual pay-per-view, but this one potentially a bit different. Um, and the second question uh, is a bit of an odd one, I appreciate, but I just want your take. Um, I'm wondering why we just kind of believe that rounds are the best way of scoring MMA. And when we're booking a fight, we're trying to find out who's the best fighter, who's actually going to win. We're trying to replicate a fight as best we can. But so often we see someone taking the back, they're about to finish the fight and then the, the buzzer goes. And I'm just wondering, is there room for a promotion? Do you think in the future that can have a proper MMA promotion that doesn't have rounds where we can actually see the likes of, Hamzat Chimaev, even people like Conor McGregor, these one-round fighters really having their shot, at, you know, not having that adrenaline dump at the end of the round. I'm just interested what you think more generally moving forward with the sport, whether there's room for that. And uh, yeah, cheers for having me on. Mm, in today's day and age, probably not. I mean, could you do it in Japan? Like, almost like the pride type of style? Could you do it? Sure. I just feel like attention spans aren't really there anymore to be like, ooh, one never-ending round or one like 25-minute round or one however many rounds. I think it's more palatable to people saying, you know, let's just do five rounds. Oh, this is, or the third, this is the third round instead of it being like one long round. I mean, I'm with you. I'm with you. I would like to see more of that. Um, but I don't know if there's enough room for it, honestly. I, I don't know if like today's 
audience who, especially the ones that the UFC is going to attract are going to do that. Now, are there holes, gigantic gaping holes in the judging? Sure. It's because the scoring structure sucks. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's a boxing scoring model used for a sport that boxing is only a small percentage of. So I think we need to just fix that. Um, Again, I, I wish some promotion, and I know CFFC tried this seven years ago, but even I just really wish one promotion would just do a whole, hey, one event, we're going to put the judges in soundproof boxes to watch these fights and score them. And they can even use the monitors. I don't give a shit. But they can't listen to the broadcast. They can't listen to the crowd. They can't listen to the commentators. They basically watch the monitor and they see all the angles and stuff like that. And they're in a quiet room or the fights like that. Then there's no, well, if he's sitting in one corner that it looks more of a 10, eight than a 10, nine, or it looks like this fighter did more damage than this fighter. So what you're still in the arena, you're watching the whole, what everybody else is watching, but you have noise canceling headphones on. Like the, the, the commissions can afford the best in the world. And you put them in a soundproof box, which you could buy. They look like phone booths. And you can customize them and put them in a box where they can just watch the monitors. And then they could score the fights based on what they're seeing on the screen without any sound sound or any commentator saying, oh, well, this, this should have happened. Or the crowd reacting to their hometown fighter missing a punch by six feet. I think we just need to fix the actual scoring structure before we start changing the round structure, because that, that, that stuff's not going anywhere, unfortunately. All right, so we got Wakar, we got Ani, and we got Kat, uh, and then we got to go. Uh, Wakar, go ahead. Uh, no, somebody, thanks for having me. Uh, just wanted to have on uh, one of my random questions. Uh, what do you think about uh, uh, Poirier? When do you think he'll be back, and who do you think he's going to be fighting next? Thanks for having me. Who is this? Uh, Poirier. Poirier, Dustin Poirier. Oh, Poirier. Dustin Poirier. Okay. Um, I would like to see Poirier at 300. I think it makes a lot of sense. Who will he fight is the question. It will not be Nate. That I can assure you. Unless something just insanely weird happens. Um, it's tough. It really is tough to say without knowing what Islam's fight's going to be. Because how, how I would book Lightweight right now is I would do Islam versus Gaethje and I would do Sarukian versus Oliveira. That's what I would do. And then the winners fight. Poirier, I don't know. Maybe do Poirier, Jim Miller at 300? Dan Hooker's not going to be back. Fazeev's not going to be back. Gamrot's booked. Hooker, you ever said Santini? I don't think he's touching that fight, nor do I think he should. He's not going to fight Jalen Turner. I mean, dude, they should just – and I know Dustin would probably hate this idea, but, like, if he's looking for a big fight that's going to, like, get him ready to go, 
He should just fight Colby, man. Just do him and Colby at 300. I think people like would be okay if that didn't happen, but with what is actually available, I mean, I think that's probably the biggest fight he can get right now. And he would be the huge baby face right now in that one. But if Islam fights Oliveira, then I think you do Poirier versus Sarukian. Sarukian should either Armin Sarukian should either be fighting Dustin Poirier or Charles Oliveira next. I think they should do Makachev Gaethje and then Sarukian Oliveira. Now, where that puts Dustin everywhere else, I'm not really sure, but. Dustin versus Colby would <laughs> Dustin versus Colby would be big big draw. It'd be a good little uh, addition to three hundred. As far as um, the other question with three hundred, with any of the announced fights, will they be in the main card? Maybe Yuri, but I could see the other fights being on the prelims. Cat, uh, go ahead. Good morning, Mike. It's great to be here for Space of 2024. Just let me gather my thoughts. My mind went into an empty void as soon as you said Armand Siriukin versus Oliveira. I just don't know why you manifest these things into existence. I'm actually very quite upset. But uh, my question... Why? Why, though? <laughs> I, I just don't get it. Why does Charles have to go through so much? Why? Why? Did, did, did Gaethje have to go, go through... Go through what? I just feel like... Go I through what? Like whoever wins, even if he has to rematch Islam and I have to watch Charles lose yet again, I'd rather have him go... Why? feed him to Saryukin. Why? How do you know he's feeding? We're feeding him, though. We thought we were feeding Oliver to Benil Darius. No, no. I, I never believed that for a second. But the thing with me is, is I feel like the fight game's a lot more mental mentality than it is, you know, uh, and momentum than it is just physical game. And I feel like after being stripped, Oliver has been like, you know, the the win against Benil put him back in positive momentum. Don't get me wrong. But like, I just feel like he went through a lot of negative momentum um, so I just felt like, you know, I just, that just made me upset, Mike. But anyways, um, I, <laughs> I just upset you a lot. <laughs> no, you show. do, you do. <laughs> but, um, I had a question. Do these fighters have like marketing managers or anything? Because, you know, Rogan says it a lot that these guys, when they win, they should grab the mic and have somebody ready to call out, have a way to make a name for yourself. And we have so many good up and coming contenders and just hearing you talk like, what was it? Four questions ago about middleweight and up just how many good contenders we have coming we don't know anything about these guys like do they not have marketing managers to sit there and coach them and tell them hey you can't just grab the mic and say oh dana give me whoever you got you got to call out a name you have to especially if you guys are trying to bring in casual viewers it's just those hardcore fans that are keeping our eyes out for the prospects you know these guys really have to market themselves and i feel like if the ufc as an organization wants to see more casuals come in I really feel like these guys need better marketing. They got they have to have better coaching. I just wanted your thoughts on that. Uh, I want you to have a beautiful rest of your day, Mike. Thank you for having me up here. Thank you. Um, I mean, look, a lot of these fighters have managers. I know there's a clip of Aljamain Sterling talking about the importance of managers and what they actually do. And... I've watched that clip a few times, and, and I kind of agree with Aljamain. There's There are fighters out there who would be best served to just be their own manager at this point. Um, because, like, it, it just honestly, just knowing the, the market as I do and conversations that I've had, um, 
there aren't a lot that are just like specifically looking out for fighter X. They're looking out for themselves. Uh, and there are some managers who, there are some managers out there who I just have so much respect for who uh, they have small rosters uh, and they're not afraid to lose clients by telling them the truth or saying, Hey, you should do this or no, you shouldn't do this. Here's the position you're in. Here's why you shouldn't do this. All of that. Um, and just telling them the truth. And I respect the hell out of that. I really do. It's there are a few managers out there who really put the client first. As far as the marketing goes, look, they're just, again, that's, that's part of it. They don't, you just got to know what's realistic and what isn't. Now you could, you could also have call outs that are just awful. Look at Bilal. I mean, look at the position Bilal has put himself in because of awful call outs. Call outs that made no sense and they were unrealistic and just the timing of them were terrible. We don't need to go through the whole history of terrible Bilal callouts, but there are a lot of them. Um, and he buried he buried himself a whole bunch, like during this stretch of wins that he had by just awful callouts. So you have to be smart about how you're calling people up. Caio Baraglio, look at Caio Baraglio. Mentioned him earlier. Gets a nice win. Got a little bit of momentum. He's getting the push from the UFC because he was on the Contender Series. Dude is moving up the ranks, doing the damn thing. Dude's been in co-main events. Guy's having a, a nice little run right now. Gets a win over Abus Magomedov. Submits Mikhail Zaychuk. He's got a win over Mahmoud Muradov. Guy's got good wins. Dude beats Abus Magomedov and calls out Drikas Duplessis. What? Are you kidding me? This is not what to do. This is not how you move up the ranks with your microphone-using skills. That was one of the worst call-outs of the year, in my opinion. A guy who is literally about to fight. A guy is fighting for the friggin' title in two weeks. That's the guy? That's the guy you call out? When you could have called out Brennan Allen. You could have called out Chris Curtis. You could have called out Nasruddin Imovov. You could have called out Jack Hermanson. Hermanson was the perfect call-out. And because you didn't call Jack Hermanson, now you have to watch Joe Pfeiffer fight Jack Hermanson. It is important to have that vision. It is important to be smart. It is important to have a name in mind. But it is important to be realistic. That is a very valuable lesson. A very valuable lesson. See what Brendan Allen's been doing lately? He's just like, eh. I'm going to call some, like, I can call who I want to call, but it's going to make no sense. So instead, I'm just going to run off a list of things that I want. I want purple fight shorts. I want to fight in Louisiana. And I want a fight against a top five dude. And he's getting it. You know, just, I, I like the Brennan Allen thing. It's, he, he's got his own niche. Brennan, what do you think about the victory? He doesn't even, like, let DC ask him questions anymore. He just says, hey, here's five things that I want before I fight again. And they're all like realistic things. And now he's fighting Marvin Vittori in the perfect fight for him anyways. So I don't know. Be better. And the whole Oliveira thing. Look, Armin Sarou, this is, I understand. There's a lot of Charles Oliveira fans out there that are just like, look, this guy's been through the ringer. This guy's resume is incredible. This guy had a long, exciting run as champion. 
all of that. I get it. Oliveira, the timing for Oliveira in 2023 was spectacular. It could not have gone any better for him. Because heading into that Darius fight, heading into 2023, I didn't think there was a world where Charles Oliveira was even going to be in the, in the conversation to fight for the lightweight title with Islam Makachev still champion. And because of how everything is going to, everything played out, it worked out perfectly. He got his shot. There's nobody else. Oliveira was the dude. And then he didn't fight. And I understand accidents and weird things happen in the sport. Volkanovsky steps in, takes the fight. Gaethje is available. He's a fresh matchup. He's ready to go. It's not, Oliveira was the, was the only choice in October. When they made that fight, he was the only choice. He was the only guy. The only realistic guy after the Darius win. Now there's three guys. There's Oliveira. You could do that. There's Gaethje who's the fresh matchup. And there's Sarukian who, there. I got to tell you, there. if you said, Mike, what are three fights you need to see this year? I'm telling you right now, Armin Sarukian versus Islam Makachev 2 is on that list. I have to see those two, two guys fight again. And I feel like if we don't see those two guys fight again this year, we're never going to see it. We're never going to see it. Am I saying Armin should just get a title shot? No. I think he needs one more win. But I, Justin Gaethje is not going to fight him. He's not going to. He has a title shot. He's not going to fight Armin Sarukian. He's not going to. Nor should he. I want to see this division move. We finally have a guy who has broken through. Sarukian beat a top five guy. We've seen other guys get these chances. We saw Fazeev fight. Justin Gaethje fought Rafael Fazeev. He went all the way back and fought Rafael Fazeev and beat him. He had to win multiple fights to get back to a title shot. Oliveira's only had to win one, and he got his chance, and then he couldn't fight. So now, the timing stinks a little bit more for Charles Oliveira. Go fight Armin Zarukian. He could beat him. He could beat Zarukian. And Zarukian could beat him. And then we'll know. Then we'll have a legit contender. And if Zarukian wins, we're going to see a guy, finally, that is not named Dustin Poirier, or Michael Chandler, or Alexander Volkanovsky, or Charles Oliveira, Fight for a title. And that's going to be exciting. Just think of the other names who are going to get their chances. We're going to see the Jalen Turners and the Benoit Santanese and all these guys get their chances. It's a wonderful world. That, that, that's a world I want to live in. And if Oliveira goes out and beats Armin Sarukian, I don't give a shit what's going on a lightweight. Charles Oliveira is getting a title shot. I will hold a sign outside saying, give this man a title shot. I don't care what else is going on. All right, last two. Ani, what you got? You too. Well, yes, sir. Uh, Kat made good points earlier about the marketing managers uh, and whatnot, but I'm not sure I agree with that. What I think will serve the fighters a lot more, a cost-effective option, and dare I say a free option, would be for them to tune into the heck of a, heck of a morning shows and listen to you rant, Mike. That'll set their head straight. I bet your ass. 
So, yes, that's what I wanted to say. And another thing, uh, the reason UFC 300 uh, doesn't have a main event yet, I I personally think, um, this is my theory, it's because UFC have shot themselves in the foot yet again. I could be wrong. I could look like a complete dork, but this is what I think. They shot themselves in the foot, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when they made uh, Jose Aldo versus Mirab Devalish Willie quite close to you to UFC uh, UFC's return to Brazil since uh, the pandemic, and um, they they could have had Jose Aldo fight in Brazil, but they matched him up against Mirab Devalish Willie. They could have. They could have also made Aldo versus Cruz as the number one, number one contender fight, but they didn't do it. The same way, I think, uh, after Israel Adesanya's win against Alex Pereira, they thought, you know what? We are going to put Israel against Sean Strickland. He'll just beat Strickland. And Alex Pereira will be the light heavyweight champion if he wins. And then, lo and behold, we can advertise a champion versus champion match at UFC 300. And they don't have that now. And I honestly can't think of any fights. And do we seriously have to assume that if it's a super fight and if someone, uh, that's what they're referring to, is it someone from the past? Is that how we're supposed to think? Can't it be someone from the present? Because if it is, I don't know who it is. And Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad is an interesting matchup because now Bilal Muhammad has um, some time to prepare. He has a fight camp, and I really would like to see how Leon Edwards handles it. And I think if Bilal can lean into his character, he can be a nice heel. He is annoying, but if he can lean into his character a little bit, he can be a nice heel so that'll be nice that's all i have mike this is my theory do you agree with this i mean probably i mean they booked a lot of fights i mean they they loaded up they put compelling main events in the first three cards but they kind of overlooked 300 and that kind of made us all think like we were going to get connor and chandler and as of now, we're gonna get it, but not until like two and a half months after that. So I don't, I don't know what they're gonna do. I think it's more of what I said earlier in the show. Um, they're gonna try to have their cake and eat it too. They're gonna try to get double the buys. Three hundred's gonna sell no matter what it does because of the number. And then you're still gonna get a million buy pay per view on International Fight Week because you got the return of Conor McGregor. So, but Leon Bilal is a tough sell for UFC 300 as the main event. It really is. It really is. It's just not a compelling rivalry. It's not a, it, like stylistically, it's an interesting fight, but it's like, sheesh, man. Like that's a fine co-main event. But if I, at this point with what's available, two, 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 I, I, I'm fine with that fight being on the card. That's the co-main event. Do Pereira Izzy as the main event for the light heavyweight title. I'm fine with that. Just because you've got to get Pereira out there. You can't bench him. And if you can get Izzy, I don't care what it costs. You try to get him. 
as long as he's like ready to fight and the personal issues are, are, are squared away. The other option is I would, I would do Islam versus Gaethje at 299 and I would move O'Malley to Cheeto, O'Malley Cheeto to the main event of UFC 300. That's it. I mean, I, I just don't know what else is there. I don't know what else you could do. That would be like, oh, okay, that's a cool 300 main event. Leon versus Bilal is tough. Because that fight, like, that fight from a technical standpoint is going to be interesting to watch, but, like, it's not going to be, I just don't see it being, like, a really fun fight. Like, that's the last thing we remember of UFC 300. You know what I'm saying? We'll see how it all plays out. All right. Panda, take us home because I got to go. My man, Mike, how are you? What's up, man? Um, yeah, I got two for you. I'm not going to lie. I am extremely depressed from the last UFC event we have watched. My man, Kobe Covington, went out there and pitched a stinker. Now, with that being said, there's only one way to recover. You dive into your next favorite fighter's matchup. Is Cheeto really going to beat Sean again? With that being said, I am kind of scared. I think his leg kicks are dangerous. I think the, as the fight goes on, Cheeto gets more and more dangerous. If Sean doesn't put him away like Sterling early, is Sean in trouble? All right, Mike, have yourself a heck of a morning. I mean, it's possible. It's a fight Cheeto could definitely win. Um, we put out our like champion predictions on the website. I think it dropped like Sunday. This past Sunday, uh, AK and I are going to do that live on to the next one. Predictions extravaganza. We'll reveal our championship picks live on Sunday morning as well. Uh, I am picking Sean O'Malley to end 2024 as the Bantamweight champion. I don't know why I have the vibes that Sean's going to beat Cheeto, but I kind of do. I don't, again, I don't know why from a technical standpoint, because I do feel like Cheeto could win. The problem is, I think Sean is real. Sean, if he wants to get off to a good start, he can. Cheeto does not get out the gates very well. I know he landed a lot of leg kicks in the first fight early on and got Sean, dinged him up a little bit. Obviously, Sean, I think, is going to be ready for that. Cheeto's not a real fast starter. It takes him a while to get cooking. And that's just the kind of matchup that Sean thrives in. And if Sean wins, and there's a chance he does, like who's he going to fight next? And I know what you're thinking. Oh, it should be Marab if he beats Henry Cejudo. Yeah, it should be. You think that Sean O'Malley is going to be diving at the opportunity to fight Marab? I don't. Not because he's like afraid of Marab, but he's gonna see like no dollars in that whatsoever. Um, if Cejudo beats Marab, I could see him taking that fight. Uh, I could see him. He's already calling out Ilya Taporia. Maybe he goes up and tries to fight for a second title, which will make me nauseous. But it, there is a world where that could happen. He might even be like, "Hey, I want to fight Dominic Cruz." And it's not what you want to hear, but if the UFC, if he set, goes to the UFC and says, look, I already beat the greatest bantamweight of all time in Aljamain Sterling, it's a two-horse race, right? You said it was Aljamain Sterling. You said it's Dominic Cruz. I already beat Aljo. 
Let me fight Dominic Cruz now. Let me wipe out both those guys so I could be the greatest bantamweight of all time. This is how Sean will sell it because he's smart and he knows what the UFC wants to hear. And if he goes out and beats Cheeto, he will have the momentum and the, the presence to him in order to order for something like that. And the UFC will probably give it to him. So that's why. We could only, like, there's a world where Sean only fights once in 2024 in the Bantamweight division. So not confident, but I'm picking Sean to end the year as champion. So there you go. All right, we're done. Great to hear. Oh, you know what? MJ, real quick. MJ, are you there? No. All right, we tried, MJ. Uh, come back tomorrow. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Time, I'm not really sure, but we will do a show tomorrow. We might have a little bit of a later start time, but I'll keep you guys posted. But we're definitely going to come back tomorrow and do another show. Don't forget, uh, BTL coming up at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it's going to be more of the same, answering your questions, reactions, all that fun stuff. And then next sat- next week, we get a, we get a UFC event. The, the, the break is over. And Jesus Christ, I don't even remember what the gosh darn main event is. Uh, yes, uh, Magomed Ankalaya versus Johnny Walker 2 at the hallowed world's most famous Apex next Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern start time. And then it's on to UFC 297. So we get a little bit of a break and then we get a breather. Look at that. I didn't even think about that. We get two events, then we get a week off, like right away. And then we get back to the Apex, back to the Apex again, 298, and then they're on the road. Anaheim, Mexico, Saudi Arabia, Miami, and then we back to the Apex. So we only get uh, about nine more days without UFC fights. So get all get excited. 2024 is going to be fun. And stick with us here at MAFighting.com. It's a great website. So thank you all very much. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your Thursday. And have a heck of a morning, everybody. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.